Well, good evening, LCM. Tonight is Wednesday, February 3rd, 2021. We are continuing our Dialing In series tonight with this sermon entitled, Dialing In Divinely Directed Deeds. Divinely Directed Deeds. So your next divinely directed deed is going to go to 1 John chapter 1. And we're going to read verse 5. Say dialed in whenever you're there. Dialed in. First John 1 5. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. How much darkness? None. No darkness at all. Amen. I'm so glad that the Lord is light and that he is helping us in these dark days. We know where the darkness comes from and it is definitely not him. Look, church, as we begin our sermon tonight, we want to once again clinch with some of the darkness that's going on around us. We are two weeks in to a new era of equity and unity. Yep. At least that's what the news media says as uh, well as our social media. In an unprecedented number of executive orders thus far, the best that I could tell, I counted 45 in two weeks. That is more than our early forefathers had combined over the first about 15 presidents, by the way. So in two weeks, we have looking at changing the very fundamentals of our basic institutions. They're being radically changed by executive fiat. I mean, executive order without <laughs> Congress, without other people having in, input into it. We're talking about institutions such as healthcare, immigration, our COVID response, of course, mm -hmm. environmental concerns, equity issues at every level of government, economy, and many more. These are being done, and this has just been two weeks into our new mm. era that we are now in, and we understand that the era is an era of darkness that we're in. Yeah. What it includes in that era of darkness is uh, executive orders that have been signed and codified giving citizenship or amnesty to millions of undocumented aliens and make sure to count them. Here's the goal. Make sure to include them in the census so that it bolsters the voter registration of a certain party. To continue on with that, there's an actual strong push right now. This is legitimate that they are trying to make. Uh, there's a strong push for the Washington, D.C., the District of Columbia, to become the 51st state in our union, which adds senators and adds congressmen of the same mind of the party that's already ruling right mm. now. Look, many of you may have not heard about this because it wasn't broadcasted in any way, but on the very first day of our new era that was inaugurated, American troops were seen in convoys, convoys, bringing logistical supplies into a country called Syria. Syria. Some of you may not have heard about these things because as, as important as they are, they're not always being played on our nightly news. Not that many of us watch the nightly news, not at least nightly. Look, speaking of troops, our capital has troops that are not only staying, but they're amassing. They are growing in numbers. States are sending troops to our capital, with at least some media outlets saying that their presence is scheduled through at least March. And when people are reaching out to find out exactly the number or exactly what's going on, they're being stonewalled from being able to even find out because the leaders are saying, we're not allowed to talk about current missions. We're not allowed to, to describe what this, the soldiers of your own country are doing in the capital city. Mm. In fact, there's a governor of uh, Illinois, J.B. Pritzker. Yes. In response to questions about sending more troops to the D.C., uh, he said, ultimately, we must root out the dark forces of racism, white supremacy. But get this and disinformation. That's a military cause. Yeah. Now, this is in response to being asked questions about sending more troops, that it must be done to root out dark forces of racism, white supremacy, and disinformation that have created this moment. But until we do that, our extraordinary troops will deploy with honor. 
Look, using fear as reasons to cancel any and everyone who doesn't comply with the singular voice and singular messages coming forth. Church, you should know this. The dark days, the fear is, a, is the order of the day. It's what is used. Yeah. It's what used for a, a sickness that we are claiming has as many numbers as World War II, which is ridiculous. These are ridiculous things, but it's fear. There are even top governmental officials who are declaring that Iran, after 65 years of trying, is now perhaps only weeks away from having nu- nuclear capabilities. Well, how convenient if you're already ruling in fear, then let's put fear everywhere we possibly can to continue to have a singular solidarity of voice that is only bringing about more darkness. Yeah. Look, we could continue on with far more examples, but our final one of the evening is about a freshman congresswoman with three names. It's Marjorie Tyler Green of Georgia. She is being called an Existential threat to democracy. What could have a person who had been on the job for less than a month have done to deserve this? I mean, calling out insurrection, that she's the source of it. No. Treason. No. Rather, she has been accused of being a conspiracy theorist with, get this, with a hatred, well, I'm sorry, with a history of hatred and bigotry. The solution that they propose is to have her removed from Congress altogether after she had a 75% landslide victory that awarded her that seat in the first place. What they're calling this these days is a cancel culture. If you're saying anything that someone else doesn't like, then they want to try to cancel you. This woman has, there's no alleged issue of voter fraud. She got voted in fair and square, and because people don't like what was on her Facebook and Twitter feed, They're literally trying to remove her from the office that she was duly elected to and actually was sworn in one month ago. And by the way, I think right before we came out, they voted that she was not allowed to be on any committees that she had previously been assigned to. These are dark days, this this idea of canceling what's going on. See, the great thing that we're in is we already understand what the Lord has been speaking to us. He's already dialing us in. Turn with us to Genesis chapter 41. It's almost like people are become, it's becoming evident that people are beginning to feel this dark famine that's all around them. Let's look in Genesis 41, and we're going to begin with verse 53. Somebody say, dialed in when you get there. Genesis 41, 53 says this. The seven years of abundance in Egypt came to an end. And the seven years of famine began just as Joseph had said. There was famine in all the other lands, but in the whole land of Egypt, there was food. When all Egypt began to feel the famine, somebody say, feel the famine. Feel the famine. When Egypt began to feel the famine, are you starting to feel the darkness that's in our day and time? Are you seeing it? The people cried to Pharaoh for food. Then Pharaoh told all the Egyptians, go to Joseph and do what he tells you to do. When the famine had spread over the whole country, Joseph opened all the storehouses. Come on now. He opened all the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians. For the famine was severe throughout Egypt. And all the world came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe everywhere. See, this isn't just an isolated incident. You're going to find that there's fear tactics, that this cancel culture, that so many things are not just here in our country, but they're, they're everywhere. And you see that there is an archonic onslaught to try to get at these. See, in this passage here in Genesis, we're seeing the beginning of the years of the famine. They're, they're beginning to feel it. They're starting to see what's going on around them. But Joseph was a man who was in partnership with God. He was walking in partnership with God. You heard it on Sunday, how he started off with prophecy, with dreams. And then he found himself in the pit. But even after the pit, he was raised. And in prison, he found and understood who God had made him to be. And that allowed him to move on into the palace and even into partnership with God. You guys remember that? That was just three days ago. That was on Sunday. See, Joseph because he was dialed in in his discernment, he was able to foresee the famine. He was able to facilitate the gathering of the food. And Joseph actually found favor in every single area of his life, in every aspect. 
And so what did that allow? This man who is in partnership with God is then empowered to begin to have deeds that please the Father. See, Pharaoh just looked at him and he told all the people, you go to Joseph and you just do whatever he says. You just do that. I know we don't have any parents that just say that, right? Just go, just go ask your mom. Just go do whatever she says. In this case, it's Pharaoh saying to Joseph, this man, I see that the Spirit of God is with this man. Go do whatever he tells you to do. See, when you are partnering with God, when you are partnering with him, and it's designed to give you divinely directed deeds. Say that with me. Divinely directed deeds. See, this is what the partnership is aiming at. This is what the partnership with God is moving you towards. This is why you begin to dial in your discernment. It's not just so that you can say, yes, I have discernment now. It's so that you can begin to do the things that God has now partnered with you to do. That you actually get to achieve and accomplish in the kingdom of God. See, when Joseph opened the storehouses, that's what happens when you start dialing in. You're able to open up the storehouses of gratefulness, the storehouses of the word that you have been cultivating, and you're able to move in a way that causes heaven to come to earth, that causes you to accomplish exactly what God has dictated for you to accomplish. Let's go to Genesis 47, and we're going to pick up in verse 9. Dialed in. And Jacob said to Pharaoh, the years of my pilgrimage are 130. My years have been few and difficult, and they do not equal the years of pilgrimage of my fathers. Then Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from his presence. So Joseph settled his father and his brothers in Egypt and gave them property in the best part of the land, the district of Ramses, as Pharaoh directed. So let's put some things together that we see in this verse. Jacob, having now blessed Pharaoh, you remember the greater blessing the lesser in this matter, Israel blessing the world, went out from Pharaoh's presence to be settled by his son Joseph in the best part of the land, a.k.a. Goshen. That's where this region was. But it, it continues with this. There, there's a connection between what we see here in Genesis 47 and what we just read in Genesis 41. So let's put these pieces together. In Genesis 41, Pharaoh directed the people to go to Joseph, otherwise known as Zaphonophaneah, savior of the world, to get grain for food. But let me ask you this. Was Pharaoh the origin of that direction? No, no, not at all. Pharaoh was giving them a divinely directed deed that came from the throne of God and went through the throne of Pharaoh. So that's what happened in Genesis 41. Here in Genesis 47, Pharaoh is giving the household of Israel a divinely directed deed to go settle in a region, Goshen, that would later prove to be a land where God would illuminate his divine power. Yeah, amen. See, church, the point of partnership with God, the point of dialing in your discernment is so that you can get to divinely directed deeds. The point of you and God sharing his heart with you is so you can accomplish. The point of you getting, let me say it a different way, getting to that golden altar, to be there at the throne of God himself is so that that partnership produces action in you. Let's all turn yes. to Genesis chapter 2. That concept that partnership is supposed to produce action. Let's see Genesis 2 and engage with one of the primary obstacles to actually having and accomplishing divinely directed deeds. Genesis chapter 2, and we're going to look at verse 15. Somebody say dialed in when you get there. It says this. The Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it. Somebody say, you got to work it and take care of it. And the Lord commanded the man, you are free to eat. That is one of my favorite parts of this story. You are free. Let me start after I've given you your job, after I've put you where you need to be. Let me tell you, I'm going to give you a command, but the command starts with, you are free. Yeah. You are free to move about the cabin. You are free to overcome the sin that's in your life and walk in God's calling. You are free to eat from any tree in the garden. 
But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will surely die. I want to go back and catch the beginning part of this passage where the point of what God put Adam there in the garden was, was to work it, to take care of the garden and to be able to eat freely. This is what God purposed Adam to be able to do. He had a plan. He had an accomplishment, something that he wanted to accomplish. God literally partnered with Adam. By the way, where is Eve in this story? She's. She's still a a McRib. She's still inside of his rib. Eve is not there on the scene yet. Nope. Come on, you got to catch this. Y'all are still stuck on McRib. I got you. You got to catch this. God partnered with Adam before Eve was on the scene. Come on, single men. Come on, married men. The point of this is to understand that the the beginning picture, the model for how we should respond is to see that God partners with a man and puts him to work and begins to partner and give him the deeds that he must have before his partner got, before Eve arrives even on the scene. Come on, that is the same pattern that we have to have, man. We have to be able to walk in partnership with God, find out what God has for us, and then we're able to rightly invite our easer. Come on, get that McRib right beside you. Pull him close so that you can then accomplish even more of what God had already purposed for him. Mm. See, God commands him to eat freely here, but just not of a particular tree. Which tree is that? That's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So let's not go back to Sunday school when you were a kid or remember the drawings that have some apple tree. The fruit on this tree was knowledge. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what God is trying to direct Adam here, and it's the same thing that we need to get a hold of tonight. God is saying, I will divinely direct every aspect of your life. Do not go and find another source for you to find what you think is good or evil. If you thought that half of that tree was okay and half of that tree should be stayed away from, you missed the whole point. It is a different source. God is saying to Adam, you keep coming to me. You keep in partnership with me because I've already established the partnership. And if you continue to partner with me, I will make sure that you always have everything that you need. That you are always able to accomplish what I purpose. But when you go to a source outside of God himself, that's some devilish dining that you start ingesting. That's some devilish, sinful that becomes upon your life because you are no longer going to him. You have a different source for what you think good and evil is. I couldn't help but think deeply about this personally. I can't tell you how many times in my life that this other source has caused me to actually be very, very busy but not very effective in the kingdom. Very, very busy. Directing my own steps. Directing just about everything that I've ever done has been from me deciding what I think is good and what I think is evil. And if I think it's good, then I go do it. A friend reminded me tonight, man, there was uh, many years ago that, Wade, you were talking about a planner. And the Lord shared with you at one point that everything on your planner was things that you could accomplish without God's help. My friends, that's, that's having another source of finding out what we're supposed to be doing. That is not divinely directed deeds. What if we were a church that began to go, wait, the Lord is partnering with us. He is helping us. He is speaking to us and strengthening us. What happens if we partner with him in such a way, finding out his will, and we are able to do what he is telling us to do today? What if your list was only filled with the things that God wanted to partner with you to accomplish? Amen. Amen. For one day, what happens if this group of people says in one day, we only have on our list exactly what God determined for us? Now think about if we could do that every day. And he is dialing us in so that that is our goal. 
What if you started measuring your effectiveness by the divinely directed deeds that he gave you instead of what you feel must be done? Man, I got to do this, this, and this. Why? Because I feel like it's good for me to do. I have taken from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and I have now determined it. Is that what God wanted? What if God just wanted to have you sit on your couch just with the word open all day today? What about my kids? What about my job? What we have to begin to look and get the divinely directed deeds that come from a partnership with God. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Look, saints, you're hearing it again and again. God is dialing us in. You know, when Wade's telling the story, I'm reminiscing going back and uh, watching the live version of him preaching that message about that very topic. If you were somehow to find a printed version of a dictionary, let's say half price books, and you turn to the word diligent, you're going to find a picture of Wade Sutherland. It's going to be there, right next to discipline. His picture actually takes up half of the page and covers both of them. But here's what that, that testimony and that dialing in over the course of 20 plus years has done for me. It's been inspiration. He was disciplined then and he still needed to dial in then. And as I've watched his life, I've been inspired by his life of a deeper dependency on the one and true source of where we are to eat from. And that's from God's hand providing for us that divine direction. Let's look at Genesis chapter 3. We're going to pick up with verse 6. One thing about Brother Wade is that no matter how old he gets, he's still going to have the same head of hair. That's it's inspiration, true. brother. It's true. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the both, uh, eyes of both of them were open, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Well, we're very familiar with this story. And the three major items that you see that is being tempted to her is food pleasing, oh, I mean, food, good for food, pleasing to the eye, and desirable for gaining wisdom. And put it in the context of what Pastor Wade was touching on earlier. It's that desire in us to say, hmm, not through God's divine discernment, but through my self-directed discernment. Now, I, saw, I saw this situation happening, and I just, I had to go step over there and, and, and interject myself. I had to go listen on that conversation because I need to be a part of it. Was that divine direction? Was that self? I, I felt, I felt I had to go and perform this certain action. I mean, if I didn't, who would? I heard that something was happening across the street, and so I needed to run over there and go check it out. I was concerned about my brother. I had to go listen. I mean, for gossip. No, for information. I know how to pray. I had to do something about the situation. I felt compelled to do so. I needed to. All these things that come from our own self-generated compulsory is self-directed deeds. It's eating from another source other than the source that God has been giving us. The, whole, the true question is, is this truly divinely directed deeds or is it self-directed deeds? Because we'll let you know the only one that has the right to say, I and then act without seeking direction from anyone else is God himself. He's the only one that can say, I, and then not have to check on with me or anyone else in this universe. We want to show you some I statements that God makes. Turn with us to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3, and we're going to start in verse 7. Somebody say dialed in when you get there. Exodus 3. And seven. Okay, I know some of y'all are saying that because you're getting there into the passage. I really want you to dial into this. This is an incredible passage that we have yeah. for you right here. You actually dialed in? Yeah. 
Amen. There we go. The Lord said, I have seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I am concerned about their suffering. This is the Lord speaking to a man, and he is expressing what he is seeing, what he is hearing, and what he is feeling, what he is concerned about. The idea that God is beginning to speak to the man Moses. And look, he says here in verse 8, So I have come down to rescue. Now knowing what he is feeling, what he is seeing, what he is thinking, we now know God's actions. He is coming down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out, to get them up out of there, of that land, and to bring them into a good and spacious land. A land flowing with milk and honey. A land that was, the, that was the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. Now I'm hearing them in a way that I am moved to act on their behalf. I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. Somebody say go. Go. After God has shared his, his vision His hearing, his concern, his actions, his plan. He is saying, now, now, now it's time for you to go, Moses, because I am sending you. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Church, this is the process, the concept, and this may be difficult for us to get tonight. Yes, pastor, we want divinely directed deeds. But do you understand the import of God himself wanting to partner with a man? Not just assigning a task, but wanting to partner with him and assign him a deed that is based on the partnership. This is what I think. This is what I see. This is what I feel. This is what I'm doing. This is the purpose of what I'm doing. I'm going to bring them up out of Egypt and into a promised land. I can tell you who's already living there, but I can tell you that I want to do something here because I am moved about this situation, and so now I'm sending you. Come on. What if it wasn't just Moses that we were talking about tonight? What if what God is doing in our midst is to say, let me tell you what I'm seeing Let me tell you what I'm hearing. Let me tell you from God himself what he is concerned about. Why? So that you can be sent to accomplish what he is wanting to do on the earth. Talk about divinely directed deeds. Talk about being moved because of the partnership to action in a way that produces heaven on earth. Divinely directed deeds come as a result of partnering with God himself. Church, it is not only possible, but it is God's plan for us to partner with him. This is why what pastor said earlier was so important. We can't just stay trying to manage our sin. That's one-seventh of the whole plan of what we're doing here. We move beyond that and we stand up at the labor. We begin to be led of his spirit into his word and we partner with him so that we can do something on this earth that he desires. Every man and every woman in this room need to understand that God wants to partner with you. It's not just that he wants to partner with us collectively. Yes, he will accomplish it that way, but he is trying to raise men and women up and say, lift up your heads, lift up your hearts. He is the one that will empower you. He is the one that has deeds for you to accomplish. We get to know what God sees. How is that not blowing your mind right now? You get to know what God is actually hearing, what what he's tuned into. You get to know. He doesn't do anything without revealing it to his prophets. He wants to share it with mankind, the God of all creation, who needs nothing but desires us to achieve his will. Come on now. That should start to build something on the inside of you that changes the way that you think forever. God wants to partner with you, and he will. He will partner with you. 
We get to know what his plan is. Why? Because the deeds that are done in partnership with God, they have divine results. I can tell you that none of my planner list ever resulted in divine results. They were the things that I chose and not God, and so there were no divine results. They were just results. Tonight, church, God is showing you He's beckoning to you. He's saying, come on now. You're getting closer to me. You're dialing it in. We're starting this partnership. Don't you back out now. Don't you let your failures cause you to leave now. I've got something that's on my heart, and I want to share it with you. My goodness, God is helping us. The very next verse, Moses says, who am I to go to Pharaoh? Some of you in this room feel exactly the same way as Moses. Yes, pastor. Yes, we believe you. Yes, we know you're not trying to lie to us. We get it. But on the inside, you're thinking, who am I to actually partner with God and affect the world to accomplish what he has? See, we go through these. We we start pointing towards the Aswan region, and some are inspired, and others are crushed. (sighs) I don't know how we can do that. Yeah, I'm not sure either. But we are. But we are going to do it. Because it's his desire to do so. He shared his heart with us, and we say, yes, we will partner with you. What do you want me to do? I will go now. I will do this now, or I will make whatever right sacrifice is required. See, having divinely directed deeds cannot be something that you assign for yourself. You do not get to choose a part of a swan. That is no longer a divinely directed deed. That would be eating from another source. But I really like this part. Amen. Let's partner with God to accomplish. See, we can never decide what we want and then ask God to bless it. No. You can't decide that you got a verse going on, you got a thought going on, and then find the verse to match what you're already thinking. Yeah. <laughs> I got a I got a prophecy for you. No, you're prophesying, brother. Just back off. (laughs) Prophesying. Sorry. Yeah, see, you can't just do what you want. We're going to dial in because God is helping us to dial in. Think Think about Jesus healing people. He was so dialed in, he healed every single person that he ever attempted to heal. What about the other people at the pool of Shalom? He went and healed one person there. What about the rest of them? He was so dialed in, he understood exactly what the Father wanted from him. See, that's what we are working. This is what we are going to do. Somebody say, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. We're going to dial in our deeds so that God is pleased with us in our partnership. Man, what you should be hearing pastors say or proclaim to you is that, number one, God wants his will done on earth. He wants his deeds done and completed. And here's the truth. He could do it all by himself and still be right. But here's his target and goal. He wants to do his deeds through you on earth. Let's put this more personally. Leslie Spites, God wants to partner with you so that he can perform his deeds through you. Rick Laughlin, God wants to partner with you so that he can do his deeds through you. That's the same for you, Juan, for you, Cho, for Marlon, for every person sitting in this room and listening to this message. There is a hope that God desires to partner and bring us into his will and perform his deeds. Well, I can say this, looking at biblical history, that when he is getting you to partner with his will, it's not always pleasant. There is no guarantee or surety that it's pleasant. Think of Ezekiel. Yes, here we go. I'll keep it safe. Ezekiel. God told him to cook his food for 390 days over feces. Like that was the fuel source of his fire. And at first, God said, cook it over human feces. Now, The whole origin of this idea was God. It wasn't Ezekiel. So this was a divinely directed deed, right? Ezekiel's like, but Lord, my conscience and the law and human feces and unclean and doing your will, 
Lord was like, okay, over cow feces. We can do that. Because they were partners in the will that originated with God in the first place. God cared about the partner that he had in carrying out his will. God cares about you, his partner, in doing his will. But realize he is the only origin and the source from it. Pastor, another example of that is Abraham when he's considering Sodom and Gomorrah. God, if we find 50. Yeah. Hey, how about 40? 30? Give me 30. How about 20? There's a partnership that you're seeing in these as men who are inspired by God or in partnership with God. They're not negotiating. They're in partnership with God to achieve his will on earth. So I, I had an idea today where we're studying, particularly on Ezekiel. He's on his side. The Lord has let him to cook his food over cow feces. And the scripture that he is just meditating on, that he is finding hope and inspiration Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I think it's time to call it fast. <laughs> but do, do you see that it was, he was being called to do the divine will of God and carry out the divine deeds, but it was no surety of being pleasant. This is just like Jeremiah. We've been in the book of Jeremiah during Foundations. And we're looking at Jeremiah's deeds. Realize that over 40 years, he was preaching the same message while being persecuted, thrown into a cistern, mistreated. 40 years. How long do you preach the gospel at your work and you're just getting down because they're not accepting the message and getting born again yet? They're not even persecuting you or creating misery for your life. So, who would ever choose this for their calling? I mean, the day that the mezuzah was downloaded, Lord, you've called me to propel others into your presence. I am imagining total persecution, mistreatment, and being extremely difficult beyond what I can imagine. Look, the deeds that you imagine to be accomplished, they have to be divinely directed deeds. And because we know they're divinely directed, I can put a big old smile on my face in the midst of it and endure as long as it takes with joy because I know God's will is going to be done through me. We cannot make choices based from a source of knowledge of good and evil on our own. We got to depend on him to give it to us. I got one more example from you that is excellent. Let's go to Hosea chapter 1. This one's great. Say dialed in whenever you're there. When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go marry a promiscuous woman, whore, and have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. So he married Gomer, daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. Now, once again, I'm putting myself in Hosea's shoes, right? And putting some context of our, our current prayer life. Hosea's there. He's praying through the tabernacle, Right? He's getting to that point where he's approaching the golden altar. God's presence is so thick in the room. Lord, you're about to reveal my mezuzah, my lifelong call. It's going to be great. It's going to be powerful, world-changing, life-changing. All of these three things above my head here. And there, the golden altar. I'm partnering with God's divinely directed deed. And it's go marry a whore and have some kids. Yeah. Immediately. What leaps out of your heart in that moment? That's you, like Hosea standing there. Yeah. <laughs> you begin to negotiate internally. Okay, so is this like a, a whore that's been born again and redeemed and she's doing great now and nope. she's mine and nobody else's? Nope. She's a hoe and she keeps on hoeing. That's what's happening here. It's true. You want... Look at the Hebrew. It gets even more graphic. The cry is, here's what's happening. You're saying, 
Lord, I thought the deeds that you wanted me to do would be so much more glorious than this. Something that would make me look great and better. You research some history, and Hosea is from the south, and he's declaring a word to the north, right prior to the Syrian captivity. So not only is he proclaiming something they don't want to hear, he's not from the right side of the tracks that everybody else is on, and he has a whore for a wife. Man, what should be happening in your heart in this moment is it's revealing your self-directed deeds. What do you do when the Lord tells you to do something you don't want to do? It's not going to result in what you want it to result in. Right there, bing, it's self-directed deeds that got to die. God is directing him to go and be a visible representation of my relationship with an adulterous nation. One who repeatedly goes out and looks for more lovers. Who rejects my covenant and charges me, her husband, with error. I've been faithful and she's been faithless. He's telling Hosea, go and be me. Go and represent a partnership with me that is a visible demonstration of who I am and my relationship with my bride. How about that for a family banner? But it's divine. Amen. It is absolutely it's just as divine as any other call that any other man of God has received. And when we're standing with him next to the king of kings... We're going to celebrate his life for what he's done. We're going to honor what he did because it was divine. Hosea's life would serve then as a marker. Get this. He would serve as a marker for all other prophets that would come after him, like Jeremiah, being able to demonstrate a man's obedience to divinely directed deeds. Isn't that really part of the issue that makes it difficult to follow these divinely directed deeds? I remember as a 15-year-old, there was a satirical song. It was intended to be pointed, and it said, please don't send me to Africa. I don't think I've got what it takes. I'm just a man. I'm not a Tarzan. I'll do anything you want me to do as long as I get to stay home. Church, when you have divinely directed deeds, you are representing him. You are the physical representation of God in the place that he put you in because he is feeling a certain way and has decided to partner with you. Yeah. If you are here, if you are listening to the sound of my voice, God has called you and he's chosen you so that you would represent him. See, it's self-directed when we're thinking about how glorious it'll be, but it's divinely directed when we say, we love you so much. This is so incredible that we get to partner with you. Literally, anything you call me to do, I'll do. Amen. Let's turn to Nehemiah chapter yeah. 1. Yeah. Nehemiah chapter 1. Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse 4, it says this. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. Well, there's an exciting start to our story. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. He is seeing and beginning to get tuned in to what God wants, and it's causing a serious crisis in his own heart. And guess what he did? Guess what Nehemiah did, just like it's what we're learning how to do as a church? Nehemiah began to pray through the tabernacle. Verse 5. Then I said, Lord... The God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commands. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I wonder if he was thinking about Exodus chapter 3 here. Even as he's praying through the tabernacle, Lord, let your ear be attentive and your eyes be open because I know that that's the kind of God that you are. You're the one who sees, you're the one who hears, and you're the one who gets concerned and does something about it by appointing a man to achieve your will. Goodness gracious. It continues on. I confess the sins. We Israelites, including myself and my families, 
my father's family have committed against you. Sounds like the bronze altar right here. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws that you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave to your servant Moses? Do you remember? If, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me, if you stand up and understand who you are and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the furthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place that I have chosen as a dwelling place for my name. Wow, at least that's just Nehemiah's day, huh? At least our scattered hopes... See, it's the same thing for us as we're walking through the tabernacle. We can find our footing because we have the miracle of the labor that takes place and we have his image renewed in us. Look at verse 10. They are your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great strength, by your mighty hand, through your menorah and through the table of showbread. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant. Lord, let your ear be attentive May the incense that I'm offering up to you at this golden altar now and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Lord, may the incense that I'm offering up to you in this prayer be combined with those others that are already in partnership with you. And may we lift up a fragrant offering to you. May you hear our prayers. We are partnering with you and we know that we have to get something done. Give your servant success today. Now that we've offered up our prayers, now that we're in partnership, I know that I've got to do something. Nehemiah is sitting here and he knows, Lord, give, me your, give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. And he concludes it by saying, I was cupbearer to the king. Yeah. See, this throne room, when you have divinely directed deeds, is supposed to allow us to do everything that God desires. Church, you are able to do this. He has made a way. He is strengthening and dialing us in so that you can actually, actually have divinely directed deeds that are empowered from the heavens and you accomplish it. Ibrahim Zakari, God has things that he is wanting to partner with you about and he can make it happen. It doesn't matter that your, your hope has been scattered to the farthest horizon. Here in this place, God is moving and he's saying, I will partner. I will do every good thing that I have determined I will do. Amen. We have to rise up in hope. We have to rise up in faith and say, yes, Lord, partner with me. I don't even know what you're going to have me do yet, but I will do it. By the way, this is not the end of Nehemiah's tasks. It's the beginning. It's not the end. He literally has been crushed and he begins to pray his way through the tabernacle and is ready to go out and do something. And by the way, he tells you that he was a cupbearer to the king. I'd say that he was. I'd say that he was a cupbearer to two kings. I'd say that he was a cupbearer for the king that he saw in the physical and he was right in the very throne room of God. There was a throne room on earth and there was a throne room in the heaven that yeah. this man was partnering with God and was going to accomplish his will because God is big enough and God is good enough to do it. And I can assure you, church, that deeds that are done in partnership with him will always have divine results. Whether it's Moses and the birth of a nation, whether it's Hosea and trying to correct a nation, whether it's Nehemiah bringing safety and security and moving the nation forward, there's always a plan that your partnership with him will result in something that is absolutely divine. Mm. Amen. Church, we want to look at a man's life whose ears were attentive and he partnered with God and it came about with divine results. Go to Acts chapter 8. We'll look at verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out. And on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, 
which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. This passage begins with an angel of the Lord saying, saying, Philip, partner with God. Philip, this is the divine direction of deed you're supposed to do. Go. Go south to the road. As it continues in verse 29, the spirit told Philip, go, giving him that next thing to partner in and carry out God's divine deeds. But look particularly at Philip's action each time. In verse 27, he started out and on his way, God brought about what the divine deed was. In verse 29, the spirit told him, go to that chariot, stay near it. Then Philip ran. What was he running to? He was running to the partnership of God's will. Because both times he heard God telling him, Philip, I want you. I want you to come and partner with what I am doing on earth as it is in heaven. And I want to do it through you. And by doing so, it would show that Philip's deeds done in that partnership would have divine results. Let's look at verse 38. And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water. And Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and had traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Looking at this story, you should understand that evangelism is partnership with God's will. And it will produce divine results. But it first must partner with his will. And you notice also, Philip's task didn't end with the eunuch. It was the next partnership that he was to join and then continue the divine directly deeds that he was to carry out. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 2. As we get close to an end here, we want to make sure that you're understanding this, that you're walking through this and realizing the importance of the partnership that will produce divine deeds, which will have divine results. Revelation chapter 20, uh, I'm sorry, chapter 2 and verse 26. It says this, to him who overcomes and does my will to the end. To the one who is partnered with God and understands the deeds that God feels and God wants to have accomplished. And you are empowered by him and you accomplish, in fact, what he wants. I will give authority over the nations. He, we mentioned this the other day, but we want to go back to it to make sure that it's getting into our, our very beings here. He, the one who is overcoming the one who does the will to the end will rule with an iron scepter. He will dash them to pieces like pottery. Just as I have received authority from my father, I will also give him, this one who is accomplishing divinely directed deeds because of the partnership of heaven, this one I will also give the morning star. Church, this is just a small fraction of what we're saying about that deeds done in partnership with God have divine results. It's hard for us to understand. It's bigger than we can usually wrap our minds around when we're saying the divine deeds that come, the divine results that come from the divine deeds of heaven. This is the goal of having your divinely directed deeds. Those deeds done in partnership allow you to be a co-ruler with him. Yes. That Paul Rosales can be a co-ruler with Christ because he's partnering with him and is walking in the deeds that God has designed. 
You should listen to this and you should hear this passage and be reminded, I was the authority over the nations. That is exactly what Jesus shows in Matthew 28. He says, all authority has been given to me. And in the same way, those of us who are walking in these deeds in partnership with God, we get the same authority of Christ. This is mind-blowing to us. This should be something that enlivens our souls. See, this is quoting in Revelation 2. It's quoting back to Psalm 2. In Psalm 2, you can argue that this was about David. By the Newer Testament, you can definitely argue that this is Jesus. But in Revelation 2, you see that it is Jesus who is partnered with us. Just like God wanted to partner with Moses, Jesus is partnering with us and we have the same authority. We're sitting on the same throne. We're sitting with the morning star that has been given to us. Why? Because we've taken the partnership seriously and we've dialed in our deeds and are able to do exactly what God has for us. Look, this morning, before... My eyes were fully awake. I felt like the Lord gave me a scripture. Philippians chapter 1. We're going to read this together. Philippians chapter 1. And verse 3. Before I could figure out what my alarm clock actually was saying. What the, what the, what, what the number actually was. The Lord spoke to me. Philippians 1.6. But I want to start reading in verse 3. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. Your koinonia in the gospel, that fellowship, that deep partnership with God of walking with him in the gospel from the very first day until now. Being confident. Somebody say confident. Confident. It is time for us to become confident in what God is doing. He is more than able. That's not something that we need to say. We need to believe it in our soul and say, Lord, you are working to partner with us. And I can be confident of this, that he who began the good work, he who assigns you the deed, is also able to carry it on until it gets completed in you. He is able to do this even until the day of Christ Jesus. Even until the day that we just read about in Revelation, I am confident, church. I am confident in what he's doing in our midst. You should be confident in your soul that God is doing it and he is able to complete it in you. Amen. I don't care what today looks like. I don't care the difficulties. I don't care about the doubts. I'm saying put those aside. That's another source that's trying to feed you right now. Listen to and understand the word of the Lord. For those who want to partner with him, who walk through this process, he will give you deeds and then he will help you. He will give you good deeds, good deeds, good works to do, and then he will help you to complete it. Don't accuse God. Don't discredit his justice because you think that you can't. Of course you can't. That's back to my planner list. Of course. Of course he's assigning you things that you wouldn't have chosen. Of course. But then he helps you to do it and you get to be as empowered as Jesus Christ himself. Man, isn't it encouraging to hear that God is telling us that we can because he will inside of us. He will bring it to that point of uh, completion. Well, we all long for wisdom of knowing how to carry out these deeds. I want to read to you James chapter 3, verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. When your wisdom comes from God, it means that you are in partnership with God. You have a humility that recognizes that self is insufficient while trying to accomplish divinely directed deeds. This is reflected in what Jesus said in Gethsemane. Not my will, but your will be done. Or another way to see it, not my deeds, but your deeds be done. It's having a humility that is constantly depending on partnering with the will of the Father and no other source of knowledge of good and evil. And here's a certainty. It will have divine results. Turn with us to John chapter 5 for our penultimate scripture of the evening. 
John chapter 5, verse 19. It says this. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you. Why would Jesus have to say very truly? Of course he's going to tell them something true. He's saying, I need you to listen to what I'm about to say. You got to dial in. The son can do nothing by himself. He can only, he can do only what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. He shows him what he's seeing. He, he allows him to hear what he's hearing. He lets Jesus know what he's concerned about. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. You want to talk about a perfect partnering. A perfect partner here is Jesus Christ and the Father. He never looked to another source to determine what he did. He only obtained divine deeds and divinely directed deeds. That's all that Jesus ever did. Perhaps that's why Jesus starts off the phrase and says, Very truly, I say to you. Perhaps that's just a little bit too hard for us to imagine that Jesus did nothing unless he saw the Father doing it. Well, yes, conceptually, they're one. He did not do anything unless he saw the Father doing it. He did not do anything unless he heard his Father saying it. This dependency that Jesus Christ, he's saying, it is very true. Truly, truly. I'm going to tell you a double truth here because you need to understand the Son can do nothing by himself. What a partnership with God Almighty. Yeah. This man who always speaks truth. See, it probably just, it wasn't for Jesus' day. It wasn't just then and the people that Jesus was speaking with. It's us here in this room tonight, too. Amen. Very truly, I tell you that Jesus did nothing on his own. Yeah, pastor, but no, stop. Don't take that thought. Jesus is speaking to us here and he's correcting our way of thinking and saying, I can partner with you. I can direct you in every single thing that you do. See the great deeds that are yet to be shown here. He says, yes, and he will show him even greater works than these. Why? So he can build your faith that he can actually direct you in everything. He can encourage you in what he has seen, in what he has heard, in what he is concerned about, and what he is going to do about it. And what he's going to do about it is partner with us. He is going to partner with those who will allow the divinely directed deeds to be part of everything that they do so yeah. that we can have divine results. Let's turn to our last scripture, Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. Say, dialed in whenever you're there. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that... You may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. As you're reading the scripture, you should find a word that is speaking to you that God wants to partner with you. He wants to carry out his will through you. And there are seven things that are produced that you can have produced inside of you. Deeds that are accomplished. Let's put up this slide. As God is filling you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding. He is helping you partner with him so that you will produce bearing fruit. You will grow in the knowledge of God. You point to yourself right now. 
You will be strengthened with all power. You will have great endurance and patience and being joyfully thankful, participating in the inheritance and the co-rulership of Christ on earth as it is in heaven. But here's the thing. If you look at this list, you say, I don't, but I would like to be bearing fruit unto God. Have partnership with God. Join him. If you look at this list and you see that I am not growing in the knowledge of God, but Lord, I want to. He is here to help you partner with him so that you can. And the same with strengthen with all power. If you're not, but you want to partner with them, if you want great endurance and you don't have it or patience, partner with God and he will give you the ability to produce these things. Man, if you're walking around and just can't seem to put a smile on your face, but you want to and your cry is, God, I need you. He will respond by allowing you to partner with him and he will give you that joyful thankfulness that flows. And man, if you're not able to see the inheritance, that co-rulership, that authority of Christ inside of you, but you want to, God's here to partner with you so that you can have all of these things. Come on, stand to your feet right now. Father, we thank you for the privilege of partnership with you and your purposes. Lord, we ask you to stir your spirit among us that we might rise to that high call. That guilt and shame would not prevent anyone, but your spirit would empower us to rise to that. Father, we call on your greatness and say you can regather us. You can pull our thoughts, our hearts, our purposes from the farthest corners of the earth and refocus them on your partnership. Lord, we commit ourselves to you here and now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.